tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. I survived a month-long coma eight years ago, and I woke up with questions for guests like Dennis Len. Dennis Len, the second host of the Unexplained Legends podcast. Last week, you heard my conversation with Roger O'Sullivan. This is the other host, Dennis Len, a fucking, just a great, I mean, honestly, with episodes like these, This is the vibe I want for this podcast. I talk about the things I'm trying to do sometimes with booking, with with the 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 project on a on a logistical planning level sometimes. But when it comes to how it feels, man, these last two episodes, these these unexplained legends boys, they fucking they they give me what I want. And I hope it is what you want as well. You can find the link to the Unexplained Legends podcast in the show notes. You can also find Dennis's Instagram. And you can also support this show. This is your afterlife by going to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Become an afterhead for five bucks or a pigeon level patron for 15 bucks. No matter what, you will get the bonus audio, the full conversations of these that these episodes are built from the after shows, the movie clubs, and at the pigeon level, you get shouted out. So here's that. Susie Carroll, Fred Fidoa, Katie Llewellyn, Kurt Chang, Shuba Singh, John Lee, and Debo. What up? Thank you for making the show possible. If you're listening, you're also making the show possible. But let's be honest. You could help make the show a little more possible. All right. Beyonce, $600 tickets to the Beyonce show. Then and you, you know, I <laughs> I'm talking to you like you're like any one of my listeners will be buying Beyonce tickets, even if you wanted to. I'm not even shaming you for wanting to, but even if you wanted to, I, it's hard for me to imagine that that I have too many listeners who could. But you know what? May, maybe my listeners are the upper crust. Maybe I'm maybe maybe I'm the freaking chef from that dog shit movie, The Menu. Maybe that's me. Maybe I'm Rafe Fines in the menu, huh? Give myself some credit. So uh, talking to those, y- you know, your menu, this is your afterlife listeners. So uh, well, after you buy your Beyonce tickets, get on the get on your app and and rate a review. R- rate a review. Review a rating of the show in your app. Say I, you know, I I I loved that meal and with my dying breaths. Spoiler alert, I I also love this podcast. That, that's what I want to hear. So I'm an independent artist. I rely on word of mouth. So please put those words in your mouth. Say them to other people. Tell them you like the show. And let's get into this conversation with Dennis Len of the Unexplained Legends podcast and of comedy and of my friendship. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I treat it Paint like- Your Hell, a custom hell designed for you, Dennis Lynn. Okay, my custom hell would be anything basically me in a world 
where I'm constantly contacting this. I uh, everyone's going to listen to this and think, "Oh, this is a bit. This, this is not a bit. This is my. This is my hell." Yeah, I'm constantly contacting people where they have to do things for me, and they constantly fail at the last step, and I'm not allowed uh, fix it or do it for myself. The stuff that has happened to me with customer service is crazy. Like, and I'm very polite on the phone and stuff. And I think that that actually, like, I had to say to myself, you're going to have to start shouting. Like, like, you're gonna, like you, you've done the nice thing, right? You've talked to a million people. Wait, wait to hear about this, right? This is just grievances at this stage, but this, yeah. is, this is more of it. Yeah. I ordered, um, I ordered uh, AirPods. Right, sorry, I, my car got robbed. Guy broke into it took the airpods out of it i never have the airpods in it like ever ever keep anything in it one time i do this guy breaks into my car takes the airpods so i'm like okay i really want to get those airpods again didn't really have the money to get them but i was like i'll wait a while and i'll get the airpods fuck it like who cares what happens with the bills right Mm -hmm. so i get the airpods and i order them perfect i get them to the door and the guy rings me and i don't answer it quick enough and then I ring him back and there's no answer. Then it says they're returning it. And I'm like, no, no, I'm here. Like, you know, like, please just give it to me. No, we returned it. Okay. When can you deliver it? Oh, it turns out it's missing. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what do you mean it's missing? Like, oh, it's missing. The courier never got it. And I was like, well, it's courier never got it. Why did he ring me to try and deliver it? And then they're not really answering what's happening. And then they like, this is going on for ages and ages, like over a course of a day. And then they say, don't worry. We found it. We're going to deliver it to you tomorrow. Right now, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that the guy took the AirPods or someone internally took yeah, them. Yeah. You know, like something dodgy has gone on, right? So I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, so they're sending them to me. The guy arrives the next evening, hands me a box. He takes the code, like the security code that I need to accept it. I say, thanks very much. Brilliant. Open up the box. A bottle of head and shoulder shampoo inside the box. <laughs> well, it's like, it's related. I mean, it is above the neck there yeah, no it, it's in the area yeah i was i was I, dave right i don't normally do this but you ever get so mad you start laughing oh yeah of course like i was yeah. i was staring into this head and shoulders citrus <laughs> shampoo just going you really fucking got me you know like, you really you really fucking got me that prick took a cord from me knowing that there was a bottle of shampoo in it like wow did um, you use the shampoo uh, no i didn't and to continue on that story, they said, don't worry, we're going to send you a replacement. So they said, okay, send me the replacement. <laughs> they sent me the replacement. Perfect. They said, all you have to do is send back the shampoo. I sent back the shampoo, no problem. They said, ah, we never received the shampoo. We're going to charge you for the replacement. <laughs> so they charged me for the replacement. Is that why you're wearing over-ear uh, wired headphones right now? Th- that would be the reason. Because I don't have AirPods anymore. It sounds like you're just the punching bag of the universe. I know. And not only that, the guy who robbed my original AirPods, he didn't even try to hide the fact that he robbed them. So I was just watching him on like my uh, low like location thing, just wandering around the place. Like I was like, oh, he's in he's in school today, you know, <laughs> and he, like oh, over at a mate's house. And like I was just following around for ages. <laughs> so yeah, man. Loads of that stuff has happened, but that's that's my hell. Like where where I I'm I have to I'm relying on systems and stuff to just do the job that they have to do, and they don't do it. Or, or else, what it really is is when they when they act so they act so confidently that the thing is fixed, and you know deep down 
that you're about to be fucked. <laughs> so it's your own sort of like fear of madness in a way of just being like told like you're the one who's off. There's like or, or yeah. that every that everything's right and you're like but everything's not right. So yeah. clearly I must be slowly going mad. 100%. Like there was a time right where my uh so when I lived at home uh myself and my mother would have a pretty like uh you know there would just be so much like friction love. the co- mm-hmm. <laughs> friction uh, I, I say it again not love um but like you know we would we would constantly just bump up against each other and stuff and, and things but to be honest like i mean I, I don't mind if she listens to this it was 90 percent her fault right <laughs> 90 percent, right she is a difficult woman to live with right because it's her space and you're just you're in it and you're an annoyance like that's that's the way she she kind of views it you know so i um I remember one day, you know, I was pretty young. Uh, you know, I mean, I was like my, uh, yeah, I was pretty young. Like maybe I was like 20 or something. And, you know, no money, nothing. And we were going to this, I think it was some sort of ball or something, like me and the friends and whatever, you know, God knows what it actually was. You know, it was like some some country, you know, um, crafty guy probably put on a ball somewhere and we were all suckered into it, you know. like. Okay. So we... Um, I went and I bought a shirt and I bought a tie and the tie was like, if it wasn't completely silk, there was some sort of silk in it. And I bought this tie and this shirt and that was my thing. And I put it up in my wardrobe. And when I came down the next day, the shirt and the tie were gone from the wardrobe, just not there anymore. Uh And I was like, where the fuck are they? And I, so I went in, I knew my mother had done something with them. And I said, what, what's the, where are they? And she said, oh, I washed them. And I'm like, I just bought them. Like, so then I go out, I get the tie, and the tie is ruined. Like, it's absolutely ruined. And I've spent money, like, I spent more money on it than I would have had. You know, it's completely ruined. So I come back in, and my dad is there, my mom is there, and I say, "There, you completely destroyed my tie." Like, and she's like, "Well, um, that's fine. It doesn't look, it doesn't look destroyed to me. No, it's it's it looks like it's been in like in a car crash, you know, like a tie car crash, right? Yeah. With its with its family and the whole all the ties family is dead, yeah. right? And my and then I look at my dad and I show him the obviously destroyed tie and I say, "What's like? Are you telling me that this is that this is fine?" And he's thinking, "Well, I'm going to get more shit off her if I <laughs> if I if I agree with him, so I'm just going to say, no, actually, I think the tie is fine as well.' So now you're being like." Like I'm being gaslit and I'm just like, oh my God. So then I say, all right, it goes on and on and on. And I say, you know what? I've I've got a solution. So I go over to the kitchen drawer and I take out the scissors and I chop the tie in half. Uh, and I say, no, it is fucked. And it was like a nuclear explosion going off inside my kitchen. <laughs> like, it was the the backlash of me doing that was like it was measured across the globe. Oh my god. Um but yeah, I think you hit something there. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know why it took me so long to think of the word, but it is just gaslighting is, is, yeah. is your, your hell. Yeah. And I'm pretty, I think I'm, um, I'm quite perceptive as well. And it's like a bit of a curse because even with small things, if I get to know someone, even with small things, like they, it might be a white lie or something, which doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, but then you can kind of, you can kind of pick up, you're kind of saying like, I'm not saying I can, you know, I, I like, I can't read people's minds or whatever, but you just get used to like ticks and stuff and you think, oh, they're lying. Wow. And then your body goes, well, they're lying to you, but it's like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it's, it's a small thing or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think the reason I have that perception is because I, when I was living with my mother, like 
there was no truth ever. So you're just like, I have to like Dave, right? You would go home, right? You'd go home and you'd open up the fridge and there'd be ham in the fridge, right? And it would be like, it would nearly be talking to you. It's gone off for so long, uh-huh. right? And it's just, and you would say to your mother, is that ham fresh? And you could die if you eat this ham, right? Yeah. And she yeah. would say, she would say, I bought that this morning. <laughs> you're like, you're just standing there going like, this is insane. So I think it that's probably really where it comes sounds from. sounds like your whole experience of being alive is just like trying to find sure footing on quicksand. Yeah, completely, completely. And I do, um, I do, that's why I think I like, like doing it. We a- talked about this as, as a, usually the hell is hypothetical, but now you've just described like multiple areas of your life, making it sound like you currently live in your own hell. I think right now I don't. Okay. I definitely don't. I think I have at points lived in my own hell. Like, thankfully, no. You're not waiting for any t- packages at the moment. So you're. Okay. I still am fighting with Amazon. That's still ongoing. I like, I. Oh, wait till you hear this one. This, this is another one, right? So I was, this is, this actually involves stand up, right? This was, this is, I don't think I've told um, anyone this story other than Roger and maybe two other people. But um, very close on this story. <laughs> so I was, I was, I was, someone asked me to drive them down to a gig in Bristol. Now, I love, uh, it's such a stupid thing to say, but I, I genuinely love the car that I have, right? It's it's like, I love the car. I love driving. It's just great. Right? I know it's a really, really stupid thing to say, but I, oh. I do like it and I enjoy driving. So this person asked me and they said, um, will you, uh, you know, drive down here? There's a spot. And I said, brilliant. Yeah, I'd love to. So I went and I connected them. And I drove them out and we were about an hour outside London and my an alarm starts going off in my car. And I immediately think because my car is like, I keep my car in such good condition and I know it like back to front. I was like, oh, that's a mistake. Like that must be a mistake. There's no way. Oh. Then I pull my car over because it keeps going and I look under my car and actually I check the oil first and I goes, wow, that oil is really clear. Like that's the clearest oil I've ever seen. Now, the reason it was clear is because there's no oil in my engine. It's gone. Oh. And it's all over the bottom of my car. We're stuck on the side of the road. I'm like, oh, fuck. And I'm bringing the headliner to the gig. <laughs> so now I've destroyed the entire gig, right? Yeah. So we get towed back to London. But why my car was all messed up is because I had brought it to um, I brought it to a garage up the road to get serviced. And they had used, usually um, when you're tying in, it, basically there's a pan of oil at the bottom of the car. And usually when you're tying in the little stopper on that, you do it by hand uh, and you torque it to a certain level so it doesn't go through it. They used an air gun um, to basically put it in and then just like pushed it up through my oil pan and destroyed the, the oil pan and all this. So all the oil leaked out. So I went up anyway and I went said to them, you know, look, you ruined my car. Um, you've you know disgraced me <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, and like I just I want to kill all of you and I was still very nice and then they said don't worry we'll fix it all blah 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 I would say six months it took to get back the money they refused I, the guy said he like this is a big company the guy I was dealing with said uh, uh, I'm not dealing with you anymore uh, actually I was in hospital like loads of different things everything to uh, I said at one point they said we're not, like basically this is a letter of deadlocks so we'll have to go to court I said no problem but the whole point of all that story was and the Amazon thing is I re- I wanted to write down in the email like like I'm never going away 
like, you know, <laughs> like, like I'm the only way I'm going away is if I die. Like, and you need to understand that. Like, we can save so much time here. I like, I don't even. It's not like at one point I'd spent so much time in it. It wasn't even about the money. I was yeah. just like, I was like, you're going to hear from me every day. Like <laughs> every single day, I'm going to be here. What do you hope happens when you die? I get very, very bad existential crisis, crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I very, very bad, and it happened to me when I was probably about eighteen or nineteen when I was doing exams, and the thought of you know what happens when we die came into my head, but not in a not in a way that I it came into my head so vividly that I wasn't able to look away from it, and doors in my head opened that I I never wanted open, and I was definitely like you could probably call it a mental breakdown. You know, but it wasn't it wasn't diagnosed as that, but it probably was like I was out of action for like, you know, two, three weeks. I mean, just sitting there in constant fear for like two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I read the Bible back to front and I wasn't like I wasn't religious at the time. Like, listen, I, I, I just I needed to do something like like there has to be an answer in here. Funnily enough, Dave, there was no answers in there. Um, that's a lot of gobbledygook. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, so I. I did that and, and uh, yeah. And then I started, I just started listening to a lot of stuff, you know, just to try and like, I listened to Alan Watts and things like this, uh, which, you know, I'm constantly reminded that Alan Watts like died an alcoholic in a pretty bad state. But at the same time, I can, you know, I can get what he's talking about, but I would say from thinking about all that stuff and I still go back in it. Sometimes I do get the fear. Like I get, I get a really Mm -hmm. bad fear. I don't want to die, like, like is it same? I, I do not want to I'm die. I'm hoping to find a solution through this yeah. podcast, man. So, I think that you just you you kind of assimilate into into the into the world or the universe, and you just exist in a way that you just can't possibly con. There's no way we can conceive it. Um, but it but it is it is a happy like recycling of what you're doing. But I do believe that. You know, there's been so many weird coincidental stuff that has happened to me and whatever that I don't think that I believe completely in free will. But I I think there's more going on there um, than, you know, I'm not saying there's a godlike figure there or whatever, but I just think that there is some magical stuff that happens out there that kind of nearly like signposts to just tell me, oh, yeah, you know, there's there's other things going on here. I don't believe that we we just go into darkness. And even if we do. You know, it doesn't really matter then, does it? <laughs> well, so you you believe in sort of signposts here, but it doesn't sound like that translates into continuation of your individual consciousness after death. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. I I think I think it's. I think the problem is is that you know, right now we're so everything's so individual, like not right now. I mean, like probably you know, hundreds of years, probably the same conversation happening all the time, but you know, like we're, you know, it's, I it's, think our... it's particularly bad now though. I think post maybe I don't know. And, and capitalism and stuff. Uh, yeah. But I think before you didn't have time to think because you were either being, you know, murdered or dying at like 18 from, you know, some disease or something. Hey, ignorance is you bliss, know? man. It actually is. It genuinely is. Yeah. The black plague is bliss. Yeah. It's like, Oh, what's this? Oh, I don't know. And then you die and you weren't even worrying about it, you know, but if you get, it was like, if you're like, what's this? That's the black plague. You're in for a bad time. Yeah. You're like, oh, I wish I didn't know that. I would have just 
you know, would have sure. continued on for a bit. Sure, totally. Um, so it's very individual. Yeah, it's 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 individual now, but I mean, like you know, the connections that you have with people now are, you know, they can be magic. Like, like even you know, I mean, we haven't spoken to each other in years. Yeah. You know, and we're just talking like we're two old friends. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that that stuff just uh, really. I don't know. I think it's so positive that there's these connections that can just happen. And, and I don't take those for granted. So I think that it's kind of like we're all a big ball of those connections. And maybe, maybe like all the connections you make, I don't know, maybe they join up afterwards and you go into this huge, like, you know, ball of consciousness, you know, uh, where it's all pinging back and forth, like where the individual, you know, it's like ants or something like, you know, the individuals have a role to play, but the big ball of consciousness is, you know, in the end, creating an action from all those different things but you know like basically you know anything is possible but i don't think there's pearly gates and a heaven and and you know all the rest of it but i think that the heaven thing i I thought about this a couple of weeks ago i think heaven would be pretty boring and plus it could be complete torture maybe my maybe myself and roger talked about this on uh one of the one of the podcast episodes but like if you let's say i um I, I die now, right? I'm dead, right? I die in the middle of this podcast, right? You would be so famous, right? But I die in, in the middle of this podcast, so. right? Yeah, you know, I, I would also hope so, right? <laughs> I don't want to die in vain. That's the worst kind of dying. But, I have um, your permission to publish, right? 100%, yeah, okay. 100%. And say it's what I've always wanted. Yeah. But I I die and I'm up in heaven, right? And I'm up in heaven as how I am now. And then I have to watch everyone's life, like loved ones, everyone else, continue on without me. And watch probably, you know, um, like uh, the like my girlfriend, like so in love with, like watch her, you know, maybe uh, get over me, right? <laughs> Which is impossible. Uh, get get over me and, and get with someone else and live a happy life. And like, how the fuck is that nice? You know, like as in you're you're basically stuck. Like your 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 life has has been put on hold. So then when they come up to you in heaven afterwards their perspective of you and everything is completely different. Whereas yours is trapped back when you died. Well, but maybe you've got enough interesting stuff to do in heaven that you're not fucking watching everyone else's lives like TV. What, what do you think that people would not watch everyone's life if they're in, in heaven? That's the only thing that people would do. No, it is. There's other stuff you would, there's other people to meet. There's different like stuff to try. There's nothing more interest. There's nothing more interesting than watching other people. Like that? Did you ever just sit in a in a coffee shop and just watch people go by and create their sure, create their lives? Sure, but you're telling me there wouldn't be good people watching in heaven? Uh, no, I'm sure there would be. I think that's probably a good point that I've missed. <laughs> <laughs> What's your coma? By which I just mean any moment of transformation, big or small, where before you felt like one version of yourself and after you were another. So for me, obviously, it was a literal coma, but I'm not saying, like, what do you think it would be like to be in a coma? I'm just saying, tell me about a moment like that. So head. we're going we're gonna to overlap with a previous answer, but I can okay. get into more detail if you like. Yeah. But it was that massive existential crisis that I had when I was, like, 18, 19. Okay. That, was, that changed, my, changed my view on everything. I was, just, I, was, I was one person before it and another person afterwards completely. How did you change? I, um, I think it's the same as some, you know, like when you start viewing your parents as just fucked up people, just like you, mm-hmm. you know, they're not this infallible, invincible, like set of people that know the answers to everything and can protect you from everything. And that kind of starts disintegrating. And then you're like, oh no. And then you, you know, start to grow up a little bit. 
um, I think it's the, I think it was the same effect where I felt that like, oh no, this, I'm not actually safe from, you know, my mortality is real, but even more so than my mortality, I don't know where the fuck we go afterwards. And that's scarier for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, so when I had the realization, I described it as someone putting a gun to my head and they're pulling the trigger, but you are going to die. Like that was, that was the fear. There was, because usually you can say to yourself, oh, you know, like you wake up from a dream and you kind of uh, shake yourself off and you're like, oh, that was just a dream. But this was like, no, you're in the nightmare and you can't shake it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going away. And what happened was, was I was doing, um, I was doing some exams and they were the, they're like the mock exams, like the pre-exams before the real thing. So I was looking, I, I always like work like this. I was looking at what the exams were and trying to play the game a little bit and see that like, okay, I can probably get, you know, I can probably get these four done, study for those, sacrifice the fifth, but the fifth is actually my best subject. And when the real exams come around, I'll be able to study for it, you know, so like stuff like that. So I was like, okay, cool. But it just meant a lot of cramming, like crazy amount of cramming. Right. So, and also you'd have like an exam in the morning, maybe two exams. Then you'd come home, study, go to sleep. And then you have two exams the next morning, you know, so, so forth. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I did the four exams. Everything went well. And I was on top of it. Now that's a danger point for me. Sometimes when I feel like I'm on top of everything, that's usually when the real mental shit can slip into my head because right. I'm like freed up to think about it or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it was like a Thursday or something. And I just had a history exam to do the next day. So I went home and the way we were doing the history exam was it was essays and you just had to learn off the essays. And they're both about like four pages long. Right. So you're not meant to learn them off word for word, but just like the gist of them. And then they'll ask you something like, you know, the government in Ireland in the 1960s, you know, Describe how you feel about it. <laughs> you know, you yeah. just write, write an essay. So I went home and I was in this little room in my house and I opened up the first essay and it was like four o'clock. It was like 4 p.m. And I looked at the first page, second page, third page, fourth page. And I could tell you every single word on those pages. And I can't, I don't learn like that. Like, is it, I don't, I don't have like a photographic memory. I, I have more, I have a memory that's kind of more like imagery. So like when, I'll remember that page as like a picture almost, but like, not, like I won't, I won't, re- I don't retain information for that long, mm-hmm. you know, but here I was and I could remember, I was remembering it in a way that I don't even remember things, you know, like, and I was like, whoa, how, how can I say that back? So then I went on to the second essay, same thing happened. I was like, I can repeat that back. Third essay, fourth essay, fifth essay. And I just, I was like, okay, well, I've got the five essays done, but I was so wired. And I said, all right, cool. I'm going to go to bed early. And I think, you know, I had dinner and whatever. And then it was like eight o'clock or something. So I went up to bed and I put my head on the pillow. And I swear to God, the minute I put my head on the pillow, like a door blasted open. And it was just like, where do we go? And if we do go there, what happens then? You know, like, and the fear, man, like the fear was as if I was going to die right there on the spot, mm-hmm. like, a, like a, a, you know, a primordial fear, like, like you, you're Jesus, it just tested everything and it just ripped me apart. Like it completely destroyed me. Like the next day I went into, um, I went into school and uh, I had a really good teacher. I had a lot of shitty teachers who were really, really bad people, but I had, uh, I had one really good teacher and he came over to me and it was just the start of the exam and he took my pen and he put it on the desk. And he just said, sit this one out. Cause like th- he just saw that I was like a wreck, 
and and I thought I was you know hiding it or whatever, but he he knew I was a wreck, wow. and he didn't say he didn't say anything to me. He didn't even like question it or anything. He just put the pen down. Um, and after that, then I just I was a completely different person because I could I couldn't you know I had I had an idea of how things were meant to be you know like nearly like a, a movie view of mortality or maybe I just hadn't even thought about it that much mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but the other thing is is like in Ireland especially is like you know we used to go to mass or go to like church every Sunday uh, had to go you know there was funerals there was like there was a huge community like built around religion so you know like my second my second name is is um is john like i picked that like uh for my confirmation like yeah, uh, yeah. and uh you know i picked it because he was like you know pious and all this nuts stuff like you know that you you get drilled into but it, it, to be honest it was kind of it was comforting because you can it's like oh look this is what happens mm-hmm. this is the way it is no mm-hmm. you know on with you and it was it's beautiful structure like you know to be honest it's really comforting um, and then obviously, you know, we found out what, uh, and I don't want to get into this, but, uh, we found out, you know, what horrible bad bastards, you know, the Catholic church are, sure. um, in the reports and stuff that came out. And then they, like, I mean, it really was like overnight that the churches were just emptied, you know, it was finally people wow. were, you know, talking about it. And like, there's still people that went, but it was, it was massive. Like, I mean, my dad, um, you know, my family and stuff, they stopped going, you know, which was huge. Like I just, it just blew my mind that that would happen. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I never thought so then, about, never thought about that effect of, of, of it being such a, like, of there being such a moment. It, it, it always yeah. feels like a trickle of like, Oh, this bastard here, this bastard there. Yeah. There, you know, awareness. But, the, of, but this, yeah. this, this was, this was like endemic, like, like as in sure. this was, this was so, like the whole place, like, like, you know, in so many cases that it's, it's impossible to fathom and so many priests and all this stuff. But again, I, you know, I, I would like to not uh, completely delve into this, but so then that structure is completely gone. Um, and so I guess it's, you know, then you have that. And that's why I went to the Bible, you know, straight away. I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm like, you know, give me the answer, give me the answer. And uh, there was none. And there will kind of never be one until you're dead. Uh, and so like, that was very hard for me to put in. I, I remember I was okay for a while afterwards. And I, you know, it's something I always tell myself, especially since then is like, I always write down when I'm feeling terrible, like, I mean, properly terrible. And, uh, I always say to myself, like, you know, look, this is a note for you in the future. You felt absolutely awful and mm-hmm. now you feel better. So like when you feel like that again, and I know that's not going to be the same situation for everyone. It's just for me. Like when you feel like, you know, you're so anxious and you like, you want to like pretty much, you know, go through a window, like, um, you, you, you feel better now. Like, so when you're there, it will pass. Like, don't yeah. worry, it's going to pass. Yeah. Uh, or at least you like really hope it's going to pass. And, um, and yeah, I think that, I think that that was just a complete watershed moment. Like, I, like I said, I was fine for a while. And then I remember I was in my conservatory and I, like, we always had pets, like I love pets. And we, we had this, uh, or we still do this beautiful orange cat. And I was just rubbing the cat and whatever way it was, like some sensory feeling off the fur just blew my head open again. And like right back to square one with the existential stuff. Really? Yeah. So much so, so much so that like, I wouldn't for a, not a long time, like I'm not talking about years, but I'm talking like, you know, a month or two, I was like, I'm not rubbing a cat. <laughs> You know? wow. how, how I don't want like what was the time between rubbing the cat and the essays before that I'd say that was probably like six months 
Okay. And, and then it would come back. It you sounds know. like, like, do you, cause, because when you talk about reading the essays, that's before you're having the thought, it sounds like the way I've heard mania described, like, does that, yeah. Did you I, ever attribute any of that to anything like that? I think I would say, I think it's just that I can, I think I put, I think I just pushed myself too far in that, in that one instance, you know, because other than that, I'm usually quite collected, you know, like, cause then I wouldn't, I, if, you know, if, if, if it was that, and I definitely have, you know, you know, I, I was looking at everything afterwards, you know, to make right, sure that, right. you know, I'm like, fuck, if I broke myself here, like, or whatever, but I think it was just a massive, like, um, probably panic attack as well, you know? Yeah. Like anxiety going through the roof and then a panic attack. But the problem is, right. Is people say, don't worry, it's a panic attack. And I'm like, that's great. But the logic I've just presented myself with is unanswerable and that's going to kill me, you know? And yeah. so that was, cause usually you can say like, uh, oh, your friend's mad at you or something. You did something stupid on a night out and you're like, don't worry, they'll get over it, you know, or apologize to them or whatever. But with this, you're like, uh, well, actually no one knows. So you're kind of mm-hmm. fucked, um, but, you know, continue on anyway. Right. Um, it's like, it's, it's, yeah, I've experienced that being for going to treatment for depression where it's like, you know, you're presenting these existential questions and fortunately had some good doctors who hmm. like met me where I was and was like, or maybe just flattered me and was like, Hey, listen, like we can tell you're, I can tell you're a smart guy. Like yeah. you're, you're not r- sure you're technically not wrong, but the fact that this is ruining your life is wrong. And, yeah. and, and that's what we, we like, we do need to redirect the, the, the energy or the the thought process a little bit but that's that's and i think that's where i came to the point i came to as well was i was just like this is like this is a waste of your life right right you know like you're 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 in fear of something that you have absolutely no control over and i think that's the hardest part was i was like and you know let's you know if we go back to talking about customer service and stuff like not having the control over it um, and I don't want it to be mistaken with me wanting control over situations. It's just when control is lost, if that makes sense. You yeah. know, like I don't, I don't seek the control, but when it's, when it's lost, it's like, oh no, like this is, and especially if it blows back on me and obviously this blew back on me in, in a big way. But I, uh, I think that, you know, I definitely came to the realization that one, you can't do anything about it. And you know what? You know what actually was because I'm getting these thoughts back into my head now. That's why I'm like yeah, jumping from. I hope we're not, <laughs> we're not spiraling you out again. No, it's it's a good spiral. Honestly, like if it was probably you know, if it was only a couple of years after it, I couldn't have I couldn't have spoken about it. I'd be too yeah. I'd be too fearful that it would come back. Right. Um. Because it's just purely looking into the abyss. Like it's just you, mm-hmm. you know, and there's nothing. There's no like words of encouragement coming back. But one thing that really kept me going was the fact that I would still laugh at things. So I would still like, you know, I remember walking down a hallway at work or something at one point and I thought of something really stupid. Well, actually, this is what I was doing, right? I did, it's, it was called risky face, right? So, <laughs> so what I do is, is I'd walk down a hallway that would have a corner um, and it could be like a T-junction, right? And I would start pulling really stupid faces <laughs> until until I get to the end of the hallway. 
and it's always a risk because someone can come around and yeah. if they see you they'll think you're insane yeah but i just thought of this and i start and i started doing it and i started laughing because i was just like that is this is insane what i'm doing but it's really really funny but then i thought like god there's still room for laughter in this and that was i don't know why that was really reassuring but i was kind of like you know like i'm still operating away here and still laughing away and you know there's there's there was really nice comfort in that and yeah i think after a while you just kind of for me anyway like i just felt like oh, fuck this i don't want this having control over me anymore yeah you know i don't want to be scared to death of this and, so and it was up and down that like. you changed is i understand the intellectual change i understand the like removal of certainty the removal of these these the sort of like comfort of growing up but is there do you feel like your temperament or the way that you moved through the world like your material interactions or reality changed after that i think i just became really free like as in i just became a really free person of like just you know do do whatever you want to do and just go after it you well, know it's amazing because it sounds like because because the the anxiety and the panic you're describing could very much lead you to do the opposite and become oh no as in like i think it was i think it was a knife edge you know, like I think it was a knife edge. I could have fallen into a pit there and probably maybe not got out of it. But it was, but it was the fact that this was like, because I do, I do have a lot of like fire in me, like, you know, and so like, I could kind of feel that kind of going like, this is the enemy, you know, like this is the mm-hmm, enemy, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. f- fuck, fuck this. Like we're, we're, I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, so what? We don't have the answers. Like we're not letting this thing control me. <laughs> it's almost like you're saying I'm never going away to yeah the fucking the yeah. the the self-destructive impulse yeah and one thing that i found really helpful was actually staring back at the abyss you know like like just really saying all right what's uh what am i worried about you know what am i actually thinking about and it's like we've no idea what happens after we die we're like okay yeah, cool is that all you got you know like because i don't care you know like and yeah. but what was happening to me was i was kind of even shirking it in my mental thoughts so i was like mm-hmm. i was like you know what what do you think I- oh i was so up, shut up you know and yeah. once you actually stare it down and i think that takes a while but once you stare it down it's like oh yeah it doesn't matter it's just like it's kind of like stand-up like you're terrified of doing stand-up like i was i was terrified of doing it. and i went on stage died it was awful like i was really bad <laughs> and i came off afterwards and i was a bit shook but i was kind of like you know after a while you're like oh you don't actually physically die you know you're fine yeah what's you know? wild so, is that I remember after waking up from the coma, people telling me that they're like, well, if you almost died, like there's no way you're, you're worried about performing anymore. You're going to be fucking yeah. invincible on stage. turns out not the case at all. Even, no, it's even after like that, it was just like, Oh, turns out I'm right back to life. And some of these things are stupidly, but it's relative. As it's all, as all relative. Like, mm-hmm. and it's all about, you know, it's, it's the, it's probably one of the best things about us. And one of the worst things is like, we, we adapt so well. Yes. You know, exactly. that's, how, that's how we survive. Exactly. But like, you're not going to constantly be thinking every decision you take, Hey, you know, Dave, you're in a coma. So right. you know, like, you're, right, you're right, just, right, you're right. just going exactly. to go into your every day again. Mm-hmm. And because if you thought about being in a coma every fucking day, you go insane, you know? So like, <laughs> So like, you know, oh, this is my new fear now is getting on stage. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's the same thing, um, like with that COVID gap, like beforehand, I was bulletproof. Like I was like, get me on the stage after COVID. I was like, I'm terrified, you know, and it's, and it's completely changed. 
no, thankfully I'm kind of back in that position again where I'm like, yeah, I fucking love getting up there. Like get me, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm way more nervous. I know we're getting a little off track, but I'm way more nervous than people probably perceive that I am. And and honestly though, as you said that I was like, it is so much more interesting to be terrified than to be bulletproof. Yeah, it is. But it's, but it's so, it's like, there's a huge high for me personally when I'm going up there just full of risk. And I don't mean like mm-hmm. risk as in what I'm saying. I just mean more of you haven't planned this very well. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> you know, so, so like, you know, go on up there. My second show they, is set in the afterlife. And I propose this this sort of feature of the afterlife I'm presenting, which is that everyone gets to fully relive one memory, drop down into and re-experience it as if it's real, um, like a like a room you you pop into and out of whenever you want in the afterlife. But you do have to choose just one. So if that were the case, what memory would you choose? Do you go back to it as the person you were or do you go back to it as the person you are? Up to you. However you want. If that can makes pick, a difference, let it make a difference. Can I can I pick yeah. one small one and then one that we can get into? Sure. So one for me was when GTA GTA Vice City came out. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. I get I I probably still can to a certain extent, but like I think a really big downfall of me was like my imagination gives me so much satisfaction. Yeah. So like I can really get into something and then I don't have to achieve anything in the real world, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause I'm so happy. Like, like I'm just, I, like I used to play with like, you know, all these like um, figurines and stuff when I was younger and like, mm. that was it. I didn't, I didn't care. Like I said, this is, this is a movie to me. I mean, a movie, this is amazing. Yeah. But the it was GTA Vice City came out. I think I may have got it for Christmas, and I remember sitting up in my room playing that. And I had managed to convince my parents to let me put like an old little couch in the room, uh, which I just thought was the coolest fucking thing in the entire world. Like I just thought like, I made totally. it. Like yeah, and I had the TV there, like a little TV, and I was playing that. And I was I was I wasn't playing the game. I was the game. I was in the game. Mm-hmm. And it was such a step up from anything that anyone had probably encountered at that point. Like, you know, it was one of these giant leaps in, in like games and stuff. Yeah. Uh, man, like I was, I didn't need anything. I, I, I didn't want for nothing. I was just like, this is it. I could happily die in this, in this moment. And that was, that was, that was it for me. That is an interesting loophole where the, the moment is a kind of single contained moment in your life, but you are also, playing a game which gives you you're sitting still in the moment but your mm-hmm. mind is getting all sorts of windows going to go berserk yeah yeah totally. going berserk but i would get so much happiness like i remember there was a in that game i was i wanted to get an fbi car i really wanted to get one mm-hmm. and they were quite hard to get because obviously the fbi don't want you to get their cars <laughs> and so i uh i think it was maybe a mission was it a mission no, I think the I think the sorry the mission was maybe I could be confusing things here, but I think the mission was to get the FBI car back to your garage and steal it. I think. Okay. 
So this big long-winded mission, and as I turn the corner into my basement garage, going down a ramp, I and there's like a million things after me. I drove it down and I accidentally flipped it uh, just outside the garage, and when it and I couldn't write it, and then it went on fire and it blew up, and I was I was devastated, like like I was I was as if I <laughs> as if I had lost someone close to me, like like I was like I can't believe this has happened, and then I thought, okay, look let's see if this works. So I started like nudging the car with the character and nudging it, nudging it, nudging it to yeah. get it into the garage. Yeah. Then the garage door closed and it opened and the FBI car was in there. Perfect. Amazing. And honestly, Dave, like it was, I didn't, you know, people talk about like, you know, things they've won or things they've done or achieved <laughs> or like degrees they've gotten or whatever. And I was just, it was as if I had just completed life. Like, <laughs> I loved it so much. I was I ran downstairs telling people like, and they're just like, "Can you shut the fuck up, please?" You know, just go so back I assume up there. That's your little one, right? That's my little one, but okay. my big one, and this goes all over the place. So you know, you nearly have to just interject and stop me okay, when it goes on I for will. too long. We there was a summer that we went to America, and that was like a movie. It was it was like an American movie. It was crazy. Was me? Uh, me and and all my friends. Um, and we moved in with a couple of guys as well, who then later on became really good friends. Uh, but just a gang of us went over to America just for three months on like what we'd call it or what it was previously called a J one. I don't know what it's called anymore, but, um, people, Bet- is it like between what yeah, it's, be it's, high school? And it, no, um, it would, it would be between like college years, I think usually. Oh, so you okay. might, you might be like a first or second year in college and then you go three months to America and then you're coming back to college uh, so the next how year. You're like. 2019 yeah 2021 19 okay. 2021 well, enough to drink in america y- uh yes yeah i was actually at the time yeah okay um, so, 20, so not at least 21 yeah 21 i think i think just 21 so um so where give me before you go into details i'm always curious about this i had a hypothetical game i would play with buddies years ago of like if you had to choose a specific number of american cities to show someone from elsewhere to give them as full a taste of the country as you could which cities you would pick and that so now i'm curious what cities or places you all went to well i'm glad you asked me that dave because we went on a road trip of five and a half thousand kilometers across the country yeah yeah so so we saw everything but if i had to tell people to go to some places i would say uh, boston just to boston is just like your get your run in the mill american action that's it <laughs> like okay, you know okay. like you're going to go in there you're going to talk you're going to talk to some people you're going to drink quite heavily yeah. but like you know it's it's like your normal starting off just a little injection of america yeah and then i think as you venture further south like it's getting it starts amplifying in ways that is brilliant but best place to go I think is um, New Orleans. I think that was that is yeah. like an that's that is like a different country. Just happens to be connected onto America. And there's and not it's, a it's, lot of places like New Orleans. Other places, no. It's like a, it. They really come across as like almost islanders or something. Mm-hmm. Like it's so. It's yeah. It's, that was just amazing. Like I couldn't. I couldn't get enough of that. Like it was just all the things that we encountered there was just mad. Like we. So I don't know if I can still get arrested for this, but um, <laughs> so, well, wait, maybe I can't say this. Will I ever get into America again? I mean, I can cut it if you want me to. 
I don't know. You can tell me afterwards, right? Yeah, you can tell, tell me whether or not you, you should. Yeah, yeah. So this hypothetical made up story anyway, right? <laughs> so there was two friends of mine. <laughs> Got him, right? There was two friends of mine <laughs> and they were lining up for a club or just a bar actually. And I didn't realize in certain places like in Memphis and in New Orleans and certain other places, they actually have cops on the door as well as bouncers. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, that was kind of a new thing. So uh, this guy, Sean, he goes up to, or sorry, he goes up to the door and he can't get in because he doesn't have his passport with him. And so uh, my friend, it was me. I come out and I say, oh, what's the story? Like, you know, what's going on? So there's two cops, two bouncers, and they don't look too happy. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I say to Sean, what's the story? And he says, he goes, oh, I just have my Garda ID. Now, our gar- Garda is a policeman or a police person in Ireland, right? A guard. Okay. And Garda ID is like um, an age card, basically just a general mm. age card. But we would refer to them as Garda IDs, right? Because this is like an official age card, but we would say yeah. Garda ID. So then he says, only oh, my Garda ID. And then the police guy goes, do you say Garda? He goes, are you guys, you guys Irish? And I say, yeah. And he goes, are you guys Irish cops? Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and Sean goes, no. And I was like, yes, yes, we are. <laughs> We are Irish cops. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, oh, what are you doing over here? And I was like, oh, we just graduated from cop school or so. You know, like, I have no idea what the fucking thing is like. And he's like, oh, my God. He's like, get these guys in. So they totally changed their tone. And then they're like wow. shouting at the bar and they're like, get these guys drinks and going bananas. And we get like so many discounts and it's just crazy. Like, so then we, we, of course, like chancing our luck, like we're like, OK, cool. That was brilliant. The next night we're out. I'm like, will we just do it again? Like, we'll just pretend we'll go to a different place <laughs> and just pretend we're cops. So we just set up the whole thing again at a different door. And and, uh, we, and we were like, oh, oh, I've only got Garda ID. And they're like, what's Garda ID? And we're like, oh, we're cops. We're Irish cops, whatever. Two cops. Get them in, boys. Get them in. Oh, my God. But then at one point, <laughs> they, were asking, they were asking me stuff. And, like, we were so pissed drunk. And, you know, you get so drunk, then you start, like, messing with the story just to kind of nearly like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, self-destruct yeah. yourself. Yeah. So I was I was talking to these uh, cops. There's a few of us, like, and they were like, oh, so, you know, what kind of, what? Uh, how long does the training take? And we had no idea. Like, so we were like, oh, two years. And they were like, two years. That seems really long. And I was like, oh, yeah, um, uh, we're actually detectives. Or is you know, like just lying? Like, well, we're detectives. And then one guy goes, oh, are you both detectives? And then my friend goes, no, I'm a sniper. <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, wow, you guys can just come out of like graduation, just become a sniper. And he was like, yeah, you can pick what you want. <laughs> So yeah, if I had to go back to anything, Dave, I think it would be that road trip, man. Everything, <laughs> everything happened. Well, um, the 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 interaction with police, the you, you actually getting to like become police in a in a roundabout way is is also yeah. a very like. There's a lot of American inflection to that experience as yeah. well. Um, wow, that's I don't think I I don't think. I need to cut that. No, I don't think so either. I think that's yeah, fine. Yeah. So wait, where, what other cities? Is so that, is, would, would you say New Orleans was the highlight of this? I'd say it was definitely one of them. Yeah, okay. definitely. Like we, so we bought a car and we bought a car because like, no, no. Yeah, we bought a car. We bought a car for like uh, $300 or something. Oh my God. And it we bought, got you all around? Yeah, yeah. We left it in, um, I think we, did we sell it? We might've even sold it in San Francisco. Okay. But but we 
we got a we got it registered we got uh we bought it and there's a third thing you have to do with it which i can't remember right now but we did that all in the same street all in the same day and wow i was convincing the lads to do this road trip and there was a mutiny last second because they were saying i was being shady with the details like you know like that we weren't go- we weren't going to make this like you know there was no way we could go across no dave there was no way we could get across right there was none, right i fully believed that we were going to die going across oh i never told you this they got me to book the tickets so i had to book the tickets for like seven eight people to fly over to america yeah and when i went in to book them there was a map up there and i was like oh, you know it'd be funny like if i booked them going into boston but going out of San Francisco. Yeah. And then we just and then we just had to make our way across. That's great. So so I just booked them and then there was a gap and we had to go across, you know. So uh we got the car and everything, but there was a total mutiny. And I said it's too long, like we will run out of money. And I was just like, no, no, we won't. Like we won't. I knew we would, like I was we won't. So they said it's too long. And also you want to go to New Orleans, which is completely out of the way. Like it's it's yeah. com- it's a complete detour You've to where created we created like the widest angled triangle. Of, yeah, of pretty the much. US. Like, yeah. So I said to him, no, 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 look at this. Right. And I got the bottom of um, a box of beer and I ripped it off and I got a big marker and I drew a United States. <laughs> and I said, look, we're here in Boston, right? Because none of us had, none of us had phones with like internet access because it was yeah, too expensive and stuff, yeah. you know? So I was like, uh, here's us, um, here's us in Boston, here's San Francisco. And then I, I drew like a gentle kind of bowl shape and I put New Orleans somewhere in the middle of America. <laughs> when, it, when, in, when in fact, it's like a 10 hour detour. And they didn't check you at all on this. No, I think they wanted to believe it. Yeah. And then, and then we, and then we all ran out of money in like Vegas um, and already starved to death. But it was, it was, it was brilliant. It was so much fun. That is the show. Thank you for listening. Check out Unexplained Legends. Man, it's a funny podcast. It's short. It's punchy. It's silly. It's warm. They have just the most beautiful accents. And also support this show. Do go go one level up. If you if you've been enjoying the show for a little bit now, go one level up from your current level of support. If you listen but don't subscribe, subscribe. If you subscribe. But you haven't rated it, you know, drop a review, drop a rating. Or go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. I'm telling you, five or 15 bucks a month for me is going to go a lot further than 600 bucks one time for Beyonce. I, I, I promise you that. I love you. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. Miracle